Hey, I'm George Huffnagel. And I'm Sean Bowers, and this is Jellyvision's Talking Better. In today's conversation, we're learning how to small talk better. I, I'll do it, but like I would rather actually talk to, like really get to know a person. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a good way to get comfortable and, and burrow into a conversation. Uh, small talk is my nightmare. How are you? I'm great. <laughs> I am great. Is this small talk? Are we doing small talk right now? Is this? It's tiny. It's very yeah. tiny talk. Yeah. <laughs> this is how you always start, right? You always ask somebody how they are or, oh boy, there's wind out today, huh? That's like Do a, you do that? Are you uh, I do, I'm a hardcore weather talker. I like to talk weather? about the weather because we all experience weather. We've all been outside either minutes ago or earlier that day. If if you know somebody's in retail and they haven't been out for a while, you say, "Boy, it's uh, gotten cold out, huh? You heading out there soon?" Something like that. How do you feel internally when you're asking these questions? Oh, I feel like an asshole, but <laughs> in like a in like a hey, we all we're all agreed here that this is the only way we're getting through this. Do you feel it ticks a box for you? Uh, I think it ticks a box for other people more than it ticks a box for me. Because okay. I don't feel as I, – I don't – I could pretty reasonably just like stand in silence. Maybe – okay, that's not true. I could not stand in silence with somebody, but I could walk past somebody in silence without acknowledging their existence and be okay with that. We deal with this a lot, I feel like, here in the office in like the kitchen. The kitchen is like a fraught space for me because – you know that if you go into the kitchen, somebody else is in the kitchen, mm-hmm. you got one of two strategies. You either got your headphones in, you can kind of just like pretend you're listening hard, you're focused in, you're just getting a, an apple and you're leaving. Or you have to like acknowledge the person and there has to be this little bit of like, are we talking? Are we not talking? Are we just doing like a single question thing? And it's very complicated. So I have dodged the kitchen sometimes because I know that I don't, I'm not ready for small talk in that moment. See, I live in the side of how to make situations more pleasant. Yeah. And even if there's a tiny way to humanize a scenario, I will try. But there are people who don't want to talk. Yeah. I don't know if it's on Uber or oh, Lyft. Ubers they have and Lyfts. They have like the quality, you know, character, like great, great conversation. Like yeah. it describes the person's ability. Like oh. are there options, do you know, of like, I don't want to talk? I I don't take a lot of listening Ubers either. My wife, Rachel, does. And she did it enough that she had a strategy at some point where, like, when she didn't want to talk, uh, she would pull out her phone and she, if they would start talking, she'd say, oh, I really have to focus on something for work. Because with a cab, that's the expectation. You sit in the back. They're probably on the phone with somebody in their little Bluetooth headset. And everyone's happy. We don't have to do this. And there's a, literally a separator between us that says... We're cool just to sit here. Technology should be removing these things from our lives, not adding more to them. But that is that is a question I have with technology is like online everyday existence. Does small talk have a, some tangible effect on like the quality of conversation or even response that you're going to get back? And I want to know, should there always be a utility behind it? I'm curious, too, of like good ways to to end a small talk session. I find that at the top of meetings, it's always a, an interesting time for small talk because it's like sometimes the small talk gets deep because there's a, enough people that everybody's trying to kind of keep it going for a bit longer. And then it becomes harder and harder to get out of it and back to the actual thing that you wanted to talk about. I did it yesterday in, in the meeting we had where I like derailed the conversation with my stupid website idea. 
And then Laura had to like, God bless her, just be like, okay, well, let's get down to work now or something like and that. She's the project manager. Yes. But can can we just have a project manager for every conversation we ever have? That'd be so much easier. Somebody to say like, okay, guys, it's a 30 minute conversation. <laughs> let's. So what serves as the referee essentially is small yeah. talk. Who, yeah, is, goals, is it both strikes. people's jobs to re- referee themselves or is or the other person's job to give the initiator the signal that they, they, they have done their job? Is it the guest? Yeah. Or the home team? Yeah. Okay. Good question. Better get talking. The talking better. It's better talking. It's better than talking. Better not talking. Better get talking. Better talking. The talking better. Talking better. It's better talking. Better talking. It's better than talking. Better not talking. So last we talked, we had a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Why is small talk important? The technology of removing or adding more requirements to small talk. Get rid of it. <laughs> Get it out of here. And should there always be some utility behind it, or should we just enjoy it for the sake of enjoying it? Yeah. Function now, or fashion. I feel <laughs> I feel we fall on differing but achievable sides of compromise here. Mm-hmm. And um, so- It's very diplomatic of you. Yes. I, I told you. Anything <laughs> to make things more pleasant, I'm uh-huh. all for. Uh-huh. So I talked to a bunch of people, yeah. including our coworkers, and there are two people I want to introduce you to. One who may feel like you, which is uh, my manager, Katie Laufenberger. I don't feel like I'm very good at it, usually, but I think it's like a necessary evil. I like that she used the word evil. I think that I really that resonates with me. Necessary is, resonates less, but I'm I'm on board with Katie so far. Okay, and then uh, there's Austin Heller, who who's on Team George. I would say there have been enough instances where there's like somebody who like either I want to talk to or I've heard of before, and I'd be like, oh, I wonder what they're like. Wow, so he's just out pursuing. He's he's in search of small talk. He's out in the world just like going around trying to find people to small talk with. He's your worst enemy. This is good. This is how I know who to avoid. It. <laughs> yeah. All right. So to help us kind of sort these two camps out, yeah. um, I wanted to introduce you to an expert. My name is Susan Carroll, and I'm a communications consultant and coach. Susan. So uh, just before we could dive deep into it, do you want to hear a little bit of our small talk, Susan, and my... Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so, so Susan. This is schadenfreude for me. This is great. <laughs> so this is uh, Susan. She's talked about how she likes to mix her cereals. I always have two kinds of cereals. They're not always the same. Is that a young age thing that you developed? I guess it must have been. I don't know. I think one cereal is boring. Are you, is it like cereal or will you go like totally opposite ends? No, I, I, I might go opposite ends. Like okay. I might go Chex and Raisin Bran. You trying to just hurt her credibility right off the top? <laughs> She's at this this monster cereal thing doing su- cereal suicides? No, I'm on Team Susan. I love mixing cereals too. Oh my god! But a few things to know about her. So she has her book of her career in media nonprofit management and academic settings. Okay. Has a PhD in organization and interpersonal communication from Northwestern. Okay. And she's now a consulting coach, as she mentioned, for individuals and businesses on communication skills. So, so she's a very smart person, it yeah, sounds like. And has communication bona fides. So okay. I would say we're in good company here to kind of talk through all the aches and pains of small talk. Here. Okay. So okay. the um, first question I asked her on behalf of you is, you know, why do people hate it? Oh, there are so many reasons. I think people think it's a waste of time. I think people think it's just you're just 
talking about superficial things. So what is the point? She sounds, uh, again, very smart. I agree with her so far. So so question I asked is like, why, well, why do we even do it then? Minimally, the social connectedness, that it, it brings us together with other people and we're social animals. And so just a, the sense of belonging, being a part of something and talking to people is an, an important function in society. I mean, she's right on that as well. Unfortunately, <laughs> she is, continues to be smart and right. But do you feel uh, you have connections when you do small talk or are you or are you aching through it no i i and here i here's the thing i i know i come off real curmudgeonly about it but i do know and i do value what i get out of it which is that little connective thing with somebody and, and putting everybody at ease like i think that's all very valuable especially if the small talk is going to lead into talk or big talk or whatever or if it's just small talk for the sake of small talk like I see the I see the value in it. It's that first step. It's like getting into it that's always the hardest. I'm glad you said that because that's perfect segue into you know here's why we do it. Now, what are its like functions of yeah. small talk? Well, small talk is to me a bit of a misnomer. Actually, the 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 word small in front of it because it makes it sound unimportant, and it actually serves a really important function. Actually, functions plural. So let's say it's you're making a presentation or you're having a meeting at work. Oftentimes, we don't just launch into the business portion of those things. We're talking to the people around the table. Those people could be our colleagues. They could be clients. They could be our supervisors. We chat a little bit before the business at hand. And that's how we manage our relationships at work. That's how we create an impression of who we are mm -hmm. as a person. And oftentimes that comes into account when people are evaluating us. There's, there's this, the whole, if you will, of who are we? Who is this person? And so that comes into play. Do they interact with your peers or do you stick your head down and not talk? Everybody else around the table is talking, but not George. You know, he's not talking. Wow, she really threw you under the bus there at the end, <laughs> I huh? felt a little called out. No, that and that that makes sense what she's saying. That like it is I do judge people. I that happened on a call the other day where like it, it inadvertently happened to me where everybody was doing introductions and there was some little in joke that everybody was like dropping their own thing of like I like to eat crabs. Oh, I like to eat lobster. And that they would toss in at the end of their introduction and like somebody on the call didn't do it and and there was just this like awkward silence where it was like people were expecting them to get in on like the small talk kind of game that was being played and they didn't. And then after that, I was like, can we trust that person? Is that person good? <laughs> so it makes you want to like get in on the game a little bit of small talk or else you risk being shunned by society, apparently. Be a get along person. Yeah. Talking better. Better talking. The next thing we talked about, though, is using small talk in work and like how people might think of it as strategic. If you're managing your impression at work and you want to make sure that your supervisors know that you're someone who's part of the culture and you want to show that you have this great personality and you make eye contact and you do all the things that show that you're, you know, you're there to stay and you're a loyal member of the team, you know, then chit-chatting in the hallway, how you doing, the, that sort of thing. That's, that can be a, a strategic form of small talk. 
See, isn't that sort of shrewd, though? Isn't that like a, like, like, do you have to always wonder, is somebody small talking with me out of political gamesmanship? Are they trying to, like, prove to me that they're a relatable, nice human? I don't think anybody, I don't have any power. So nobody is, like, trying to woo me in that way. We just came off reviews. Yeah. And I feel like if you got a review that was indicative of a deficit in that vein, like, seems kind of put off by me you know they seem put off by my presence sometimes yeah or there's something about their interactions with you that's cold or need some help you have to make an extra effort in order to correct that impression so i think it may come off as very like plotting and evil but i feel like it's a way to kind of get into a mode that allows you to be seen in a way that you want to be seen I used to think about this, and this is, uh, we're both wearing baseball caps right now, so I can talk about this freely. But I used to think about this with baseball caps, because I never wore ball caps. And But w- one day I was just like, I'm going to be a baseball hat boy. And I made a very concerted effort. I was like, I just have to, I, people are going to look at me weird because they've never seen me in a baseball cap before. This may not be part of my brand right now, but I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to keep doing it until I'm a baseball hat boy, a BBHB, which is legitimately what I call it. Uh, and now I wear baseball hats every day, and it's just part of my thing. In the same way that anybody could be a BBHB or BBHG, BBHP person, uh, it just you could just be a, a small talk P, an STP. Yeah, you know me. You know, <laughs> just come in. I think you're exactly right, though. So I feel this is just one facet of that. Now, if you're bad at the skill, people are going to smell it pretty. There's a sniff test, I think, with small talk. You got to be like a good a good little sociopath about it. You got to do your practices where you practice smiling in the mirror to make sure it looks human. You got to do the same thing with your small Susan talk. will have some advice for you in a little <laughs> bit about, about, about that. Talk better. Talk better. We're going to go back to Katie a little bit. Yeah. And I asked her, like, all right, so you don't like small talk. Mm-hmm. All right, where do you feel comfortable doing it? I love just hanging out with one to two other people. I feel like if it goes much beyond six, that's when I start having a hard time because I'm soft-spoken. I'm a little shy. And so I feel like once it gets to be a group of six, I have a hard time, like, interjecting. So I tend to just sit there and listen, and I'm, I'm content to do that. I get that. Yeah. There's a lot of voices coming in. It's hard. There's two, Everybody's trying to contribute. It's like playing a party game with uh, six people. Where it's like you, Everybody has to go around the circle and say something. But by the time you get to the last one, it's like, I'm sick of this. I, we, we could have picked it within the first three people who put their apples to apples cards down. Like, yeah. So I get that. Cool. All right. So, so I, Susan, you know, like you're going to a place, you know, there's going to be a lot of people. What, do you, what can you do to prepare? So rather than going into an event cold... This is obviously for something, you know, a planned event. You could have ideas at the ready, either for a conversation starter or a conversation continuer so that you're sort of armed with things in advance so that you're not just standing there not having any idea what to say first or what to say next. All right. Conversation starts. So Austin, Mr. Social. I gave him a scenario. I said, all right, let's say you're going to a party. Yeah. Talk me through your approach of talking to a stranger there. Okay. So I think there's there's two things that I try to do just to sort of like weasel my way into a conversation that doesn't feel like I weaseled my way in. The first would be if they're going to like go get a drink where like it, it involves some kind of like communal setting 
but is not actually like a communal activity. But people tend to congregate in there. It's like a urinal, something like that, <laughs> where like we're both doing the same thing and I can walk up and be like, whoa, how's the stream? Something like that. Cool. So, all right. So what's the next step you would do then? Finding something to comment on or muse on that is related to the, to the thing that you are literally doing. So like if at a party there was a lot of drinks, I would – something I actually have said is like I should probably be drinking water right now, but this looks so good that I just can't resist or something like that. You know, something that's just sort of like you can really go either way with that. And that's the kind of comment that like I feel like most people could, could figure out what they want to do with something like that. So he's not being a total creep here. Mm-hmm. He's just making an innocent comment about food or something that doesn't require much beyond an acknowledgement or you can totally bail on the person. Yeah. And we talked about this last time is who is responsible for the conversation to flow yeah. at that point. And you would ask there be a project manager for every conversation. Ideally. Ideally. But what if it's just the two of you? So is all the responsibility on you to keep it going? And I would say no. You know, in any conversation, the participants should be both listeners and speakers. So you may be the initiator of the conversation, but I think that it should be both parties' responsibility to be participants. And sometimes I think people think they have to do all the talking. And my suggestion would be to keep the flow going is to try to get the other person talking and then be a good listener. So the best way to do that is to ask questions of the other person and then stop talking yourself. So Austin did not ask a question here. He made a comment. Mm-hmm. And that's an open-ended opportunity. Yeah. So like now that he's had this scenario, what, what's his move? Like if somebody doesn't respond, like mm-hmm. what, what do you do? The ball is in their court at that point. They can bounce off of that and react to you. And then you can kind of turn it into like a one-on-one conversation or they walk away and you're like, okay, then that didn't work. If you make one like good like attempt to start a conversation and they're not super having it, that step one only works once, y'all. That's all you can do. And if it doesn't work, there's lots of other people at this party. You're a good man, Austin. Yes. You're not pursuing people to the point of displeasure. That's good. (laughs) I agree with that. However... Oh. What happens if the conversation starts going yeah. and Susan said to ask questions? What do we do? Like, okay, they're talking to me. Now what? What do I have to do? So here's, <laughs> here's what she suggests doing. The first way to do that is to not ask them yes or no questions. Ask an open-ended question. So instead of saying, are you from the Chicago area? No. So you might say, how long ago did you move to Chicago? And they'd say, 10 years ago. Oh, so where did you move from? So we're asking open-ended questions and follow-up questions to get them talking. So once the other person is talking, this is the other point of this, is once you've gotten them to start responding, like mm-hmm. what is your interaction like with them? The next thing is to be an active listener. You know, sometimes when people are talking, we tend to drift like, oh, I see my friend over there. How am I going to get out of this conversation? You know, you're, th- you're, you're not actually listening at all. An active listener is a person who's an, who's an active participant in the conversation. So asking questions, being an active listener, means that you don't have to carry the conversation. You don't have to be speaking all the time. You're actually focusing the conversation on the other person, not on yourself. Yeah. 
And that's something that that's a big pet peeve is when you can tell somebody is not active listening and that they are distracted or whatever. Cause I just shut down immediately. I'm like, all right, well that's, that's the same thing as like asking a close ended question and getting the, or getting like a one word answer in the walk away. Like Austin was talking about. Yeah. It's equivalent where I'm just like, okay, we can just cut bait right here. Like if you're not into this, we, this is not, I'm not doing this for me, you know? Like, I'm doing this for us. So we need to go in both ways. You know, I'm, I'm talk, talk, a talk, and he talk, a talk bitter. How are you feeling right now? I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm getting some, some tips and okay. tricks. This uh, doesn't address your original issue at Small Talk. Yeah. It's helpful to know that uh, it's enough of a thing that people have had to develop tactics and strategies which kind of implies to me that, like, whether you say you like small talk or not, uh, subconsciously everybody is kind of going through these same processes, I think, as they're approaching it. Now, digital communication. Yeah. You had mentioned the open-endedness of it. Yeah. And whether small talk is needed for these things. There's no clear, yeah. So um, we didn't quite answer this conclusively, but she did have an interesting take on it. You know, if you're on a dating app, obviously this is – in many ways, like you would use small talk on a first date. You know, it's you're not going to delve into the deep stuff when you're first meeting someone. Uh, that would maybe be a little creepy. Uh, or you probably wouldn't get that first date or a second date for sure. You know, you want to get to know someone. The one thing I would say about communicating electronically and not face-to-face is that you're missing – the nonverbal communication. You're missing the body language. So you're not able to see if they're making eye contact or if they're smiling at you or nodding and so forth. The online dating thing is interesting because I hadn't considered that. I was like, I, I used online dating. That's how I met my wife. And I had used it for years before that prior. And now that I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that was just like, I was just like small talking all the time. I guess flirting is it is small talk and small talk is flirting. So maybe I just need to think of like all small talk is flirting and just flirt with everybody. And then I'd be wildly <laughs> comfortable doing it because that was never, that never seemed like a strain to do that, that. That always had very clear rules and it had ultimately, I think what helps that scenario is that it has a clear end point. I'm talking better, better, better. Now we've talked about planned events. We've talked about coworkers. We've yeah. talked about relationships. Yeah. Now, what about strangers? Oh. So, like, this is oh. where this is like where most of the I think uncomfortable small talk oh, yeah. conversation happens. So, mm-hmm. I asked uh, asked Susan about this a bit. There was um, a study done of Chicago commuters, and they were assigned to three different scenarios: talk to the stranger sitting next to you. Don't talk to the stranger sitting next to you, sit alone, or just do what you would naturally do. And they found that people were happier when they talked to the stranger sitting next to them, even though that those surveyed had thought that the opposite would be true. So we think that people won't want to talk to us, but they're more willing than we think. And we were, and the people were happier and had a more positive experience when in fact they did talk to the stranger. She's right. That's what makes me angriest of all. She's <laughs> right. When I, and whenever I'm talked to, I will talk back. And then I look back and I'm like, oh, that made that individual moment more memorable because I have something to anchor it to, which was this little conversation or interaction or person or face or whatever that, that went along with it. 
So I get that. But I also get the what she's saying of like, I wouldn't have expected that. I would have been the one saying nobody wants to be talked to. I assume nobody wants to be talked to. And that's why I don't talk to people. So it's like kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Yeah. I don't know. But we're social creatures, so it's, you know. We are. Having a kid helps this a lot, though, because they give you the they give you the thing that you can look at the other person and be like, are they engaging with my kid? Good. They're open to doing a little bit more here and having a little bit of small talk or whatever, and, like, this could be a thing. Or if they're just dead-eyed about, like, Ben waving at them or something, Ben, my son, uh, then, you know, it's like, okay, we're not going to do this. It's Austin's thing of, like, my my child is now my icebreaker uh, that Austin was talking about before. Uh, and you can walk away if you know. And and I can grab Ben's hand and say, we're leaving, and we walk away. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So let's get into it. Nate Parks, your coworker. Uh-oh. I see him small talking with more people around the office than almost any human. With all that in mind, Nate shared a really uh, good story about this exact situation. I've had that happen recently where I've been in, like, uh, the checkout and, you know, like somebody's says something and I empathize, you know, mm-hmm. that's also an improv thing. It's the, the sort of yes and agreement thing where mm-hmm. it's like if it's a, a, the cashier is like, oh, I, I've got my kid with me. And the cashier says she's got a kid. And I'm like, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? The first year. And she's like, yeah, I'm exhausted. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, and we're agreeing. We're having this great connection. And then she'll say something like, yeah, the manager's telling me I have to smile. I'm tired. And now I'm like, uh oh, I've just been asked whether I'm joining her team or the manager's team, and I don't want to join a team. I just want to buy my uh, overnight size six diapers <laughs> and get out of this store. So there is that moment where, like, sometimes you look for a little connection and you wind up getting a little more connected than you intended to be. Gotta be okay with it, though, in my opinion. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's just the risk of of being a human. I think. So. Um, I assume, well, what do you do? Like, if you're stuck in this awkward conversation, how the hell do you get out of it? When the conversation has reached its natural conclusion, it's run its course, it's gotten awkward, or I'm just done, you know, you might just have a few stock phrases, maybe not over and over again with the same person, but you can use the same one with different people. Like, well, it's been great speaking with you. I hope to see you again soon. And if you're at a business function, you could even say, do you have a card? And exchange cards with that person and on your way. You want to be quick, you want to be to the point, and get out. You know who was the master of this is, uh, is either Romy or Michelle from Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion, where her line to get away was, I cut my foot earlier and my shoe is filling up with blood. And then she would limp off. And ever since, I've been like, that's the ultimate way to get out of <laughs> Any small talk scenario, I could use that at any time. My foot could have been cut at any time. Yeah. Having a closer, that's a, that's a tougher one, though. It is. In a situation like where Nate is, you know, the one benefit of that interaction is the receipt is kind of like the end of the conversation. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking better. Going back to the very beginning of our conversation, yeah. you said you are a hardcore weather talker. Yeah. So I asked Susan, all right, Susan, can you do anything with the weather? Or is it just like... <laughs> well, why'd you present it like that? You know... Is this even a thing? No, because it's the most... Com- I think you're right. It's the most common experience we all have. Yeah. And, um, but how would you make it interesting for yeah. your everyday Spice use? Spice it. 
But even something as mundane as the weather, how could you make that an opening? You could say, I can't believe it's gotten so cold already. Do you hate winter as much as I do? Or how do you feel about winter? You know, something like that. There's all sorts of ways, but you have to think about it in advance so that you're not just standing there cold trying to think of something to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. the wind out today is kind of how you phrased it. Yeah. Um, how would you, have you ever been blown over? <laughs> <laughs> you ever been? <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. I, uh, this actually came up at Subway Eat Fresh the other day where I go to the Subway and I know, I clearly they know me, I know them, but we don't ever talk really. Uh, but the cold, the immense polar vortex that hit Chicago recently gave us a thing to finally jump the wall and talk about. And I was like, were you guys open during the cold? They were like, yes. I was like, that's horrible. They were like, we know. We had to close. We ended up closing early. We were, And then we were both like, ha, 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 as if we had succeeded in, in talking to each other. And it felt so damn good. Right. But it, that, that was more specific. That wasn't just weather. That was polar vortex and the life-changing days that came with it. So pending a lot more extreme weather events, which frankly could happen, but yep. I feel having like a specific plan is like the key for everything she's saying is be conscientious about what small talk's for, mm-hmm. what kinds of questions you might ask for planned and unplanned events. It's a skill. It's a social skill that you have to develop muscle for, uh, is my takeaway. Yeah. And it's going to come at you either uh, from an Austin or uh, some stranger that you don't know. Austin is going to be following me around this office, trying to ask me about the juice box I'm holding. And I'm not going to know what to do, but now I will know what to do because I, Susan has offered some helpful tips. Great. But. You feel better? I feel I feel better. We turn, turn the dial at least one. I'm still praying for more global warming just to give me more content to talk about. But uh, I I I think I can I think I can get through another day or two. You know. Good. Talking Better is hosted and produced by me, George Huffnagel. And me, Sean Bowers. We're assisted in so many ways by the magnificent Megan Manley. Music by Jump In Jason Knox, featuring the vocal stylings of Titanic Travis Mandrell. Special thanks to Susan Carroll for sharing her small talk expertise, and to Katie Laufenberger, Austin Heller, and Nate Parks for chatting with us. Talking Better is recorded in Chicago, Illinois, here at Jellyvision headquarters. If you like the show, tell a friend, maybe give it a nice rating or leave a review. Those are always appreciated. And that's it. Go small talk with the world. And we'll catch you next time on Talking Better. I talk, talk, big and big and big talk. I talk, talking, big and big and better talking. I talk, talking, I talk, big talking. I get better at just talking, gotta get better. Oh, good, you're still here. Just a quick final disclaimer that while Sean and I and some of the guests on our podcast are employees of Jellyvision, the opinions you hear are all our own opinions and not those of Jellyvision itself. So, uh, again, th- thanks for coming and hanging in here this long. Just needed to say that at the end.